welcome to the Oh Dear Podcast. My name is Christian Duran, host and senior vice president of the Oh Dear Podcast, Oh Dear Nation, Oh Dear Limited. With me as always, we have Nick Whitmer and Brett Rabel. Yeah. Christian, I got to say, man, since we started this podcast, I really think you've blossomed in terms of <laughs> in terms of introducing the podcast. Yes, that's true. Have you noticed? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I've got a couple Come. under my fingers. I've yeah, got it under my... Well, that's a, <laughs> that, Gross, you know, dude. that's a saying, <laughs> that's a saying that my old band teacher used to say, like he would say, you got to get the notes under your fingers so that you don't have to think about playing the music. Did you say that before or after he molested you? <laughs> after he put me under his fingers. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you just got to diddle him with your fingers a little bit. <laughs> no, but I've done it enough times. Practice makes perfect, you know. If you yeah. do something a lot, you get better at it. And Christian this is practices his OD intros in the shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hello. Nope, that's not it. Hello. <laughs> too hello. much. Too much. Bring what? it back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys. What's that? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we haven't done that in a little bit. What's that? Why does every YouTube? Why does um, every YouTube video start with? Hey guys, <laughs> like every single one. Anytime like, anybody... I think that they're fooling you, like they like some of those commercials are as if like they're talking to you as if you clicked on that video. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's what they are. They're basically designed to fool you. They're like, "Hey, what's up guys? I just opened up a website and I'm going to tell you all of the shit you hear about SEO is wrong." And that's just what I get cuz of my line of work and shit. But like there are all these different there's workout ones, there's like building whatever. It's so stupid. It's amazing that there is that much just like, you know, because I edit videos, so I frequently go to the internet on like, oh, how do I do this? How yeah, do I same. accomplish that? And it always like amazes me. First off, that you can find the answer to yeah. pretty much any of my like specific editing question. You, Someone has made a video on it and you're like, this isn't monetary even they're just a person who's making the world better just cuz and I, I yeah. that, even that notion I don't even understand who just makes the world better just cuz yeah is that like I that's I don't have that within me like I remember I was one time on a hike with my girlfriend and she was like oh we should uh you know let's just clear the path while we're on it like let's just take sticks that are on the and just you know move move them to the side so we spent the hike just moving six and it never would have occurred to me to help you right. know what i yeah. mean <laughs> like that thought doesn't come into my head to just make things better i i said i might have said this on here before but I've, i have said this is like thank god for those people being such losers you know, what I mean? like, yeah. like it's so it's the dumbest, lamest thing to do to like, hey, I, I made this review of a cheese grater, but I still watch <laughs> that video. You know what I mean? You like you need to learn how it works. Yeah, it's yeah. stupid. You know what it is, too, is that we live in a time where like you can become famous for just reviewing cheese graters. So yeah. everybody's trying. Right. And if you well, get enough followers and enough subscribers, you can make like six figures a year just reviewing cheese graters on YouTube. You yeah, are so, there. That's how fragmented entertainment is. Yeah. Is like, what is your thing? You know, channels used to be three channels, and then there became like forty. And now, if you're into cheese graters, you can find your community right. of like-minded cheese grater fans. I saw this one YouTube video about how to make perfect popcorn at home. It's like you got to get the like the corn corn kernels and all this stuff, and like 
absolutely like like movie theater salt that you can't find in grocery stores. You have to like get it from a warehouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's called Flavicol. It gives you like cancer. But anyway, like <laughs> I was that's wa- why you can't find it in stores. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's literally illegal. Banned by the FDA. Yeah. So I'm watching the video, and as soon as the video comes on, it's like this guy in his like mid forties with a tie dye T shirt. And as soon as I saw the shirt, I was like, this dude knows how to make perfect popcorn. There's no way he doesn't. <laughs> I'm picturing uh, him looking literally like Orville Redenbacher. And then he's got uh, the barbershop quartet look with the bow tie and the striped shirt. It was more of like a Ben and Jerry's look. You know what I mean? <laughs> tie dye. Probably just came back did from you pop fish. your popcorn yourself, Christian? I did. It was tasty. It was delicious. Yeah, it is tasty. I do it. I do it, too. I, I uh it's cheaper too like you can buy like a whole fucking giant thing of popcorn kernels and you get like popcorn for at least six years from it (laughs) it's forever it's forever and it costs like ten dollars whereas you buy one package of popcorn and it's five and it's like three bags of popcorn i bought that flavicol stuff like you know four years ago (laughs) it's like Uh not even i'm not even halfway through it yeah because you need so little of it it's just so funny because that's why movie theaters are like falling apart because yeah. they just the margins on popcorn are so so <laughs> small that they charge twenty dollars a bag and like are able to pay their rent for a year. Well, that that's how movie theaters yeah. made money was like they like broke even on like buying a ticket to a theater. They don't really make much money off it, right? Of course not, no. But like yeah. you, you buy a five dollar thing of popcorn that literally costs them probably like ten One cents. Penny. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, around that, maybe even less given how much they order. Yeah. It's like a hundred thousand percent profit. Yeah. <laughs> like that's literally how everything is priced out. Uh, same with like Coke. Like for like I used to work at a restaurant. Oh, you yeah. Would buy, you buy like a big thing of syrup and mm-hmm. you plug it in the machine and then it, it splits with uh, club soda and yeah. it fills up your Coke. But the amount of syrup you're using, like, I don't remember how much they cost, but like literally when you pour Pennies. one Coke, it literally costs you like three cents. Yeah. That's why they started doing free refills. Yeah, exactly. Cause they're like, they already paid for the dollar 99 or whatever it is for one. <laughs> so they're, they literally paid for a thousand sodas. Right. And, you know? So yeah, of course they get a free refills because we're, we're killing it. When you buy a popcorn like that at a movie theater, um, at that price, it's almost like they're giving you a free popcorn with a donation of $20 to the movie theater. Because yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. just keeping the place alive <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the popcorn sales. Honestly, Which is- it would be the same business model if they would have just been like, hey, listen, if you spend, if you spend $25, you get a movie ticket. Uh, to go into the theater and you get a free bag of popcorn and a free Coke with the $25, it'd probably be like almost the same. Like that's because we, and you're right with is like, we love feeling like we're getting a free thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even though mentally like, they like, even though mentally it could cost the same amount, just being able to say, bundle it and be like you get this free we're like oh my god i'm like getting one over on amc like (laughs) yeah (laughs) i got a text yesterday from a candidate i want to stay on the movie theater discussion but i got a text yesterday from some candidate in kansas who's running for the house of reps and she said like you know i'm running for the house of reps and text me back to get your all caps 
free lawn sign. Ooh. And it's like, don't try and act like I'm like, oh, my like, God. You think I'd pay for lawns? one of those? <laughs> you think I'd pay you to advertise for you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. and don't act like you're doing me a favor to give me a free lawn, lawn sign advertising just your name. Yeah, I thought about that, too. Like, when I was younger, I for I mean, I still, I kind of like, like, my shirt today is just like a blue shirt. There's no logos on it. And it always kind of annoys me that I have to pay Nike like $30 for a t-shirt and then I'm just a walking billboard for yeah. Nike. <laughs> and like how people just like love doing it. They're like, ooh, I got these shoes. And it's like, all right, the cool doesn't make you a better person. And then also they're getting free advertisement. So they charged you a hundred bucks for the shoes and you get to advertise for them for free. And we talked about it before, but like... um the idea of like Nike and name brand shoes being a thing when you were a kid. And yeah. like, it's so funny how much money in my classroom, Derek Morton made for Nike. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, he <it is laughs> might as well have gotten a by check for beating them. up a kid who was wearing shacks <laughs> and his mom had to go buy a pair of Nike shoes. Yo, they really should do like. Very like small cap endorsement deals of the cool kid at every school in the country. Because <laughs> I had a Derek Morton too, Michael Armitrout, Jace Cosentino. How they went, the rest of the school wanted to go. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Derek Morton. He honestly, like, he probably made them like five grand. Yeah. Like, two grand. Two grand. <laughs> at least. Think about it. You should get a kickback, like, every time, like, the fucking store sells a pair of Nikes. <laughs> they should be like, you buy these because you don't want to get bullied by Derek Martin. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, all right. Just drop yeah, my name. Gotta, you get $5 I, off. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them Derek sent you and that you're gay. Fifth <laughs> grade <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hilarious it's so fucking <laughs> funny dude oh man were they nike shocks right where that was the era of that was the one when i was in grade school nike shocks it was all jordans for me uh shocks were i actually bought a pair of shocks like my 12th grade year it was like the only pair of like crazy expensive shoes and at that point they were like 125 dollars which that was expensive you know for 2005 or six or whatever year it was now, like, I feel like 125 is kind of at the starting point for some people's shoes. But I, I fucking I still think it's stupid to pay a lot of money for just sneakers like like Nike sneakers. Like I have yeah. a cap in my head. Like I'll I'll go as high as like 80 bucks. Yeah. If I really, really like them, maybe 85. But you can you can always find like a decent pair of like Air Maxes or something for like 80 bucks or 75 bucks. And I'm like, there you go. Those will last me for 10 months or whatever and it'll be fine i'll wear them almost every day and i don't give a shit i and, and then they're always like these are like the performance x you're like what level of performance do i need to hit where that even makes a difference yeah i'm 32 I, i'm 32 <laughs> yeah yeah you're like i'm walking around yeah <laughs> am i gonna be able to walk a little bit faster because of them no basically there, there's a place in, in my neighborhood it's called bobby's and uh, it's like kind of old school, like there's shoe dealers and you walk in, there's like a representative walks up to you. And like I've had him cut me a deal before. He's like, I, I'm looking at a pair of shoes and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And he's like, all right, I'll give you $10 off. And I go, do you work here? <laughs> like, is this real? <laughs> like, uh, 
So like now I always walk in and I pick up a pair of shoes that I like and he looks at me and I look at him and then I put him back down and I start to walk away. He goes, ah, I'll give you 10 bucks off. <laughs> so I always $10 off. Um, but I had a one time him try to sell me on once. He was like, oh, those are very light so you can run faster in them. And I literally like almost laughed like, do you think I'm running anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> Is there right. a time yeah. I'm trying to beat where the lighter shoes will <laughs> help me get there? No, come on. You're right. Think Let how me... many subways you would have hit. <laughs> yeah. like, Let me show you just some nice loafers. <laughs> um, I, I'm fascinated by sneakerheads, the people that just like that have to have like one of every shoe and then like yeah. one to collect and then one to wear, which I'm yeah. like, oh man. I remember. I heard Patrice O'Neill tell the story about how he used to buy shoes and would throw them away or give them away once he wore them once just because it like <laughs> matched his outfit. And I'm like, that's crazy. There's like $100, $200 shoes. That's never really made sense to me. Yeah, it's that's like a fashion thing, I guess, and I've just never really been super into it. Uh, yeah, Sorry, Wed, I was cut you off. No, no I was just saying I've never really been into the whole fashion shoes thing. Like, I, like the uh, impulse of like having stuff and collecting stuff I feel like when you live in New York, it almost like prohibits you from having a lifestyle like that. I couldn't really collect anything. I don't have any room for anything. The only thing that I get even close to would be like kitchen stuff where like sometimes I want to buy a new knife even though I don't need one because it looks really cool or a new pan. But even then, I still those those take up a lot of space. I haven't I don't have no space either. So if I want to buy a pan, I have to literally throw two or three away that are mm. older and I don't right. like to do that, so but yeah. this is what New York does to you, and it's actually a good thing. And that we talk all the time in New York's like one of the main criticisms is the space space issue. Like you know, everyone's apartment is certainly compared to other cities smaller, and it is true. Like yeah, I would like more space, but New York makes you realize that you actually don't need that much space you or shit. <laughs> yeah, or stuff like. And the, the, some of the main, like part of the cost, now that I've grown older, part of the cost of an item isn't just $25. It's also the space cost of like, okay, now I the cost of owning to me is part of the cost. Like just having it takes up inventory in my life. Do I really need that thing? That's why sneakers is crazy to me. Yeah, because they take up so much space and you can only wear one at a time. Right. And how happy does it make you to be around, you know, 20 shoes? Well, when I don't people know. see you on the street, they go, oh, man, that fucking guy. He's got shoes. Nice shoes. And that's it. That's all you get. out. I of always it. wonder what it's about. Like, is it about that or is it about like that whole mentality of like, if you look good, you feel good. And if you feel good, you play good. You look good. Like, is it is it like that where like they go, well, listen, when I wear these shoes, I feel good about myself, and that makes me a better person. It's kind of like the thing. Well, because let's be honest, like sneakerhead are it's mostly like hip hop culture. Um, yeah. So uh, it's predominantly like black, and if you come from um, like a low income area, um, what you do is you wear your money. You like you get a nice chain or you get like nice shoes because it's like. And I'm white. We hoard that shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, because people can't see your house, so you can't walk yeah. around with your house everywhere. But uh, yeah, I think that's the thing. Sorry, I stepped on that joke. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. It, it, 
It wasn't that good of a joke. Go back, guys. <laughs> run it again. <laughs> yeah, I, it's the, I, we talk. I constantly do a cost per use analysis of pretty much anything I go. I have like clothing and in shoe wise yeah. shoes. I crush it on because I spend like you said. I probably spend like. 60 to 80 bucks on a pair of sneakers and then I wear it for two to like four years almost every day and I'm like I owned I did so well on that I imagine every every time I put it on I pretend like all right I'm paying a quarter to wear this now because you know if it's a $40 $50 shirt I'm like all right if I wear it you know even like four 50 times that's that is a good deal pay a (laughs) buck to wear a shirt all right it's not terrible yeah but going back to what you were talking about, um, as far as like New York shows you what you need in life and in defense of sneakerheads, it's like after all your bills are paid and everything, it's like, well, what else are you going to spend your money on? You know what yeah. I mean? There is like a, a, a thing of like, we all have a level of like yeah. random bullshit we spend our money on because at the end of the day, it's like, all right, I got this extra money. I can either put it in the stock market and watch it grow or spend it on fucking a Superman doll. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right that like it isn't necessarily the right way to live in terms of constantly being like I waste no money ever <laughs> right. yeah. on anything. You know this and that was like that one drink Soylent. Like yeah. do you guys know what Soylent is? I mean, yeah. I know Soylent Green the movie. So, but- yes, yeah, Soylent is a startup that uh they're called meal replacement shakes and literally they send you a bag of powder and you mix it with water and it's supposed to fill you up okay and part of their pitch is like you can have a meal for a dollar fifty it'll fill you up and it's like it it doesn't have any taste it doesn't have it it's it's yeah. it tastes like nothing so and I you know I worked at a startup and in sometimes startup culture that can be like trendy is like yeah. you know the efficiency of like yeah I don't need to go get a meal but again it's like food is joy like <laughs> yeah. that's like one of the biggest parts of life is eating food I don't need to become a machine of quote unquote efficiency and who the fuck knows what even is in in it in it yeah. I don't think it's more nutritious to eat this weird concoction powder than it is to just eat chicken and vegetables. Like, there's no way. Yeah, dude, I hate that. I that that's something that um, the Soylent thing is like. It started because these startup people, like in, in Silicon Valley, all these like nerd computer programmers, um, basically like hated the fact that they had to go heat up nuggets in the fridge, you know, <laughs> and put it in the microwave and heat it up. And they're like, oh, dude, I missed out on 11 minutes of coding when I did this. Dude, you know how much further I'd be if I didn't waste 11 minutes eating this stupid – so they came up with this thing that they could just drink and it would provide them with the nutrients they need and it wouldn't waste anybody's time. And it's like talk about not having empathy with the rest of the world. Yeah. Like no one – no one is like, oh, my lunch break is too long. <laughs> no, we need, we need a lunch break, bro. We need to, to get away, unplug, eat something good, and just fuck up and like just have a moment to ourselves for a second. I remember one of the people I worked with. Uh, this is uh, he was from China. His name was Siri, and Siri got the Soylent, and he got a big old bag, and he just left it in the office. And I remember one day going up to Siri, and I go. 
because I had heard about it and I was like, oh, it could be interesting to like try. And oh, you do a couple meals a week. You could save money. And I asked him, I go, Siri, so how is that stuff? And he put his head down and he goes, oh, it is so terrible. (laughs) (laughs) He said it like he had cursed himself (laughs) by buying like their $60 bag. And now he's like, I just have to eat it because I can't waste the money. That's not smart either. It's so bad. Oh, that's so funny. Well, it's funny that they like they called it Soylent after that movie, like the movie famously is about um, these people are eating in the future. Uh, people are eating this thing called Soylent Green. And at the end of the movie, the twist is that Soylent Green is made out of like all the people in society that they kill. And uh, which is like, I don't know. That's dark. That's super dark and super weird. It's like it's like when they called the TV show show big brother or it'd be like if they called the iphone camera big brother or something like that you're just like what the fuck they're like trying that stuff they're like trying to own it by we're owning it so like yeah fuck (laughs) you you can't own us for that it's like if they called the iphone child slavery (laughs) (laughs) they're like you can't hit us for that because we called it that already instead of having like an apple on the back of it it's literally like a little chinese kid sewing (laughs) something out of a sewing machine as the logo And you're like, oh, man, this is too close. <laughs> Soylent is our N-word. <laughs> well, you can't use it. <laughs> I, I appreciate, like, the like the idea, though, like, the thriftiness of it. Like, I figured that would what appeals to Brett. So I, I, I want to tell – so I went to Maine this past week, and we spent, like, four, four, five days, just about five days in uh, in Maine. And, and uh, it's a little area. It's called Waterville. It takes. It's actually where um, – the movie uh, Wet Hot American Summers uh, takes place in Waterville, which is kind of funny, uh, okay. and it takes place at a camp in Waterville. Um, but uh, so we're at a camp basically, which is like a little cottage, a little cabin that's right on a pond, a little lake, and uh, it's really awesome. But um, the thing is, is like there's a, it's you're kind of roughing it a little bit. So like the out back there's like a septic tank that gets filled up. So, like, they say, like, when you go piss in the toilet, you don't flush it. You only flush brown. When it's brown, flush down. When it's piss, you know, you don't flush it. I forget. When it's it yellow, you let yeah. it mellow, right? Yeah. Yeah. There it is. And liquor before beer, you're in the clear. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and also, like, you can't shower uh, because uh, it, all of the water coming into the pond that you comes out of the sink is actually coming from the pond, coming from the lake. The thing is, the lake is actually, like, pretty pristine it's like like you could see like six feet to the bottom of it because there's something to do with the way it's like an inlet from a bunch of other bodies of water so it's almost like you're almost like the the purification of just the water system is like kind of in this lake so the water is really um pure you wouldn't want to drink a bunch of it obviously because there's micro you know amoebas and shit in it but like if you're you could wash your dishes with it basically with enough soap and stuff and uh, so I was talking, we were talking on the way back, like friends that we could invite to the camp, you know, and we're like, who would be OK? Because it's not gross, but it's also like if you're not used to it, you're like, Ugh. and I, I was a little let down. And I was like, <clears throat> we could invite Christian and Natasha. And I was like, Christian's not very outdoorsy. Natasha is 100 yeah, percent. No, she's not. <laughs> she's uh, she's not interested. Not where she, she was like. You know, that that's just not happening. So that if was there that, ain't a courtyard said, Marriott nearby. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. If there's but I started whittling it down and I figured that the best person to ever bring would be Brett. 
because Brett would like be like, "This is so cool because we're not wasting money. <laughs> like we're reusing this. Like we 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 take all of our um, like we use paper plates and we use all of them. We put them in like a big box. They're called the burnables, and we make a fire at night using all the burnables. So like everything is being reused, and there's like a yeah. purpose for everything. So if I ever had to invite someone, it would have to be Brett because he would yeah. be like the most suited for it because in his regular everyday life, he's already kind of living that way. <laughs> <laughs> I try and maximize how little money I spend every day. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And outdoors, like that's, that stuff's the best. I mean, for uh, a, a short time period, I'm not like, Oh, yeah, did but- I tell you guys how, uh, my girlfriend and I are, uh, probably going to live out of a van in the, <laughs> in the coming what? months. Yeah. No. So she oh, purchased thought- I thought this you were, for real. That was a joke. I thought you were starting a bit. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, no. This is not irony, not Sark, whatever. She purchased a, uh, like a minivan and then took out the seats in it, you know, and then pop, we popped in a mattress and uh, we think we're going to like live on the road for a little bit while some of this COVID stuff is crazy. And I might try and like book some movie theater drive in stand up shows. Mm hmm. Uh, randomly across, across the country and do it that way. So that was like, so we're literally going to be quote unquote thinking about roughing it. Yeah, that's the really hunt. rough. I get there. That feels like a good idea right now and a horrible idea like by day 10. <laughs> <laughs> for me it would be day three yeah <laughs> well i think the plan is like going in between people's friends and family's places yeah around the country that we can stay with so we wouldn't like be living out of it out of it yeah i we know. might like sleep in it some nights obviously but i'll just tell uh, you I'll tell you from experience when we were in a band one time we would go out on tour for like you know um two weeks three weeks or something like that and then one time we went for a month and uh, we were in this van 16 passenger van there's like five of us and there was one point we brought like girlfriends came but literally like um you know we went for a month and by the end of like the third week like you just hate each other we did the oh, same yeah. thing. It was like it wasn't like we were sleeping in the van. We were like staying at relatives' house. Literally after the shows, like once our set was done, we'd be like, "Hey guys, uh, does anybody have a place for us to stay?" And like some kind people would offer us their home. But literally, like especially the last day, we like all were crabby. I remember there was a big fight about like going to Cracker Barrel or not. <laughs> like it wasn't about eating a Cracker Barrel. It was about the it's... fact that I've spent every minute of the last month with you motherfuckers and I'm so sick of it. And yeah, that, well, that's like part of why I think people have a tough time with the pandemic is just, you just resent unreasonable things to resent and another person that you're around constantly. Yeah. Uh, but I also love that you guys have somehow found a way to even confine yourselves more. Like there's, there's a natural <laughs> confinement situation. Like let's make this worse. <laughs> so I'm going to be living under a bridge in yeah. five months. Uh, it's really cost effective. The cardboard box costs like 50 cents. And if I you know use it for 20 days, that's like two cents a use. So <laughs> yeah, it, that's, that's, that's really strange. Uh, it's like, like getting away from like the hustle and bustle or whatever makes a little sense. But like when in the, we're in the middle of a pandemic where we've just been stuck inside, it's like, how do we get stuck inside 
in a smaller place, but now on the road. <laughs> but you can hike yeah. and stuff. Like, just go to all but the national you get, parks. Like, you go hike, and you get all sweaty, and then you come back, and you just lay on your mattress. <laughs> like... <laughs> We we know, have man. a we have a foldable table that okay. you just can you take it you fold it out it's it's great it's super light it's a very it romantic to, idea but I think the reality is going to set in very quickly and we have this great shit bucket that <laughs> <laughs> there's this really funny blog by the way like somebody posted this like obnoxious like you know world traveler wanderer thing that you can book a cross country. A train ticket from like Sacramento to New York City for like eleven hundred dollars, and you can see the whole country. Yeah. And some blogger did it, and they basically wrote how fucking terrible it is, and how you're living like like a like cattle on a fucking like there's no shower, there's no there's no <laughs> nothing. Like the only you're living off little Debbie's sweet cakes and like terrible instant coffee. Like <laughs> it was a really funny blog. I wish I could. Remember who it was or where. Point of clarification. But basically, it is. It sounds like this romantic idea of like take a train across the whole, see the whole countryside. How romantic! And it's like by day three, there's a guy next to you who stinks, and you're like, God, this sucks. (laughs) I remember I read the story about a couple. Like I think they were married. I don't remember, but there was this couple that went to a deserted island. They decided that they were going to live there for a year and uh, yeah. write a book about the experience. They were, all, they were both going to write a book about the experience. It was Richard Branson, and it was a private <laughs> island. Yeah. <laughs> no, With what was it? Monkey butlers and stuff. Um, <laughs> and hunting people. <laughs> no, but they, they went to this island, and then after a year at this island or whatever, they got divorced when they came back. Or I think maybe one of them came back or something like that. But I just remember going, like, first of all, like if you guys are that uninteresting that you want to like that you need to go to an island for a year to be able to write a book like have an imagination for a bit and write something and two i was like you know every page like the first couple of pages like it was a harrowing experience but like chapter 26 is like this motherfucker would not shut up about the the beatles (laughs) like whatever because you're not getting inputting new stuff and inputting new interactions and conversations with other people to then share to that person yeah. that you can talk shit about that person. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah, a, no, yeah, but there, you, go ahead, Brett. Sorry. No, that you need interacting with other people to then it's like, if you're only inputting each other to each other, yeah. Yeah. You can't. That's why you just probably just hate that person. Cause that person's previous input is like loves the Beatles yeah, they, you know, whatever they need their food this certain way, so you hate them. Wait, yeah, there's you. a there's a couple of so I, there's a bar in my neighborhood that I'm a, I, I frequent. Well, I used to frequent back in the day when bars were a thing, and um, they were they were really nice. I really liked them a lot, but like they were like kind of like bohemian style, you know, people. And it was a couple, and they basically started saying like, we're gonna sell our possessions, we're gonna leave Brooklyn, we're gonna go live in like Vietnam, and we're gonna start a travel blog. And I was like, cool, yeah. And they started doing it. They started, like, selling their shit. Like, this guy, this really sucks because this guy was, like, a really good cook. And uh, he gave away a whole bunch of kitchen stuff. And I just wasn't there, so I forgot. Mm. Uh, or I didn't hear about it until it was already over with and all the good shit was gone. But they sold all their shit. They got rid of their apartment. 
and they moved to Vietnam to be travel bloggers. And I fo- started following the blog. I was like, I, I have to see how long this lasts. <laughs> and uh, I swear to God, it lasted six blog posts, and then it stopped. <laughs> and that was literally three years ago. <laughs> like, I have no idea what happened to them. Oh, no. But they're definitely not travel bloggers. One of them is now on the lam, and he's going to be the next subject of making a murder documentary. Yeah. Spousal murder. No, and I want to be, I got to say a point of clarification. I will not and don't give a damn about doing sharing posts about this. Like, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not a van lifer. Like, I'm not a yeah. person who is going to yeah. share photos. Maybe I'll share one, but this yeah. is not about generating content by doing this. Yeah. I just think for a few month period, we have the flexibility to sleep in the van when we need to, but we're going to go in between. You know, different apartments and homes of people, family members and staying with them for, you know, one to three weeks at a time. I think this is a fun, uh, a fun excursion. Um, and, and yeah, so uh, this yeah, isn't about content listen, or blog. I, I never knew. I never thought that for a second. I, I, like it's it's funny because like we talked about it earlier, you could get famous for reviewing cheese graters. Yeah, you can. You I mean, People just try to get famous on everything. So. I, in our neighborhood somewhere, I see it every now and then. It's like a van. It's like an old van, like maybe like from the 80s. And it's all painted um, with like all these trees and art and nature on it. And then it has like their Instagram handle painted on the side of it. And it's like, you know, van life, whatever. And it's like their Snapchat, all their so. And it's like this person bought a van because in their mind, it was an investment opportunity to become a famous influencer. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, you know what I mean? It's just like so silly like the world we live in that people are trying to get famous for having a van. Yeah. <laughs> like that's what it comes down to. It's like, oh, why should we give you all of our time? Well, I have a van. Like, that's it. But I have, like, it I have doesn't a, make you interesting still. I have a friend from high school and uh, I see him on Facebook and I think uh, this is a couple of years ago, but he was doing this thing where he's like, he would post like every day. He's like, I'm going to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every day because of all the drama that's going on in the world. I just think there's something like, I just want to do something to lighten the mood or something. So I'm going to eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich every day. And he's just posting about it. I think the goal was to just have a blog. You know how those articles, this man is eating a peanut butter jelly sandwich every yeah. day to fight. It's racial- a vice piece. Right, right. Exactly. And uh, needless to say, he did not uh, acquire any attention for it. <laughs> and uh, was that me? Because that sounds like a Brett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one question. Uh, one question I want to ask. When do you guys plan on doing this? Are you summer or fall or winter? Because that's a big uh, question. Yeah, summer is uh, a Ooh. lot of a lot of the summer and probably leading into the fall. You guys have some sort of uh, fan for your van? Yeah. A AC? van fan? Something that AC going on? To- we'll have a van fan, and uh, we'll improve it as we do it. But uh, Yeah, because nothing will start a fight faster than heat. Just being hot. <laughs> just sweat. <laughs> There's a great Roy Wood Jr. bit about how you have to date someone with the same body temperature as you. The word choice he uses is you need to be thermostatically compatible. <laughs> and I fucking love that That's really funny. phrase. Yeah, he was like, you know, a Muslim can date a Jew, but a 68 can't date a 77. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a 100% fucking fucking accurate. That's really funny. That guy's so good at stand-up. He's like painfully underrated, too. I don't know if it's because 
Like, I feel like some because uh, he, I think he had a special, but it was on Comedy Central. Yeah. And I just think no one watches no one, that Comedy Central anymore. It's yeah, just like a place where comedians go to die. <laughs> no one goes. Yeah, no one really goes to uh, Comedy Central for stand-up specials. They, it's either HBO or Netflix, and that's where everybody watches this stuff. But he's. Yeah. I feel like he's getting his due a little bit. Like I think he's on the Daily Show now, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's he's definitely like working. He's like he's like the Daily Show. He's on the Daily Show for sure. And like I've seen him multiple times in New York. But just like the level of good that he is at stand up, like I feel yeah. like if all of his specials are on Netflix, he would be like John Mulaney to people. You know what I mean? Right. But you never hear people say, "Oh, you know, who's my favorite Roy Wood Jr." But he's literally one of the best working today. He's yeah. fucking amazing. I think it speaks to like I don't know. I just think it speaks to the. Some of the randomness of has your stuff been seen? And, a, you know, a guy like him is so good that he wasn't going to not have a career. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's funny. That, and I would agree with you. If someone can be under, you know, underappreciated even as they have, like, a really good television yeah. uh, gig. And it- you're like... It's the the one thing every stand-up comedian has in common, whether you're a fucking day three open micer or a 25-year vet, is every stand-up comedian, since we're all a little bit egomaniacs, believes, like, I'm not getting as much due as I deserve. <laughs> like, that is the one through line, yeah. whether you've done one mic or a billion arena shows, you're just yeah. like... I should be bigger. Even Kevin Hart's like, this is bullshit. Like, I should be bigger. <laughs> I remember when I started, I was looking back at old Facebook posts, and uh, I saw one. Why? For, yeah, I know. This was like years ago. I deleted it since. But I saw one uh, that had the N-word. And uh, no, it said, um, it was like my third mic or something. And it was like, going back to the other bar open mic tonight, hopefully I'll get uh, five minutes on like three like last time. And I was just like, I read that and I was like, maybe even it might have been like a year of doing comedy where I saw that. And I was like, ah, fuck you. Yeah, dude, I I had one, too. So the first time I ever did stand up, I told people it was my first time. And I think I got like some sympathy laughs. And then the second time I said, this is my second time. And I think I got more sympathy laughs. So like I came off of my first two sets thinking like I was already good. (laughs) And I went to my third set and I didn't say that at all. It was at CB's. Uh, Brett, you might not have remembered CB's, but Christian and I, when we first started here, CB's was around for like, was it like a year or two tops? Yeah, that's where I met Jordan. Late, late 80s during late the comedy yeah. <laughs> boom. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was me and Paul Reiser performing. <laughs> he had a spot of line. He had to go um, to catch. No. But I go up on stage and it was like a typical open mic where like people just don't pay attention to you because they're other comedians. And I literally went to Facebook and I was like, I just wrote something. I deleted it. I forget what it was, but it was basically something so entitled like, nobody listened to me and this that like like as if that was like not the most normal thing ever because it's an open mic and no one fucking cares about you and everybody's a comic but it was something along the lines of like ah these fucking people don't get it they didn't even listen to me they're looking at their phones like what the fuck and i'm just like Ugh, it's, it's just so wait, embarrassing knowing your early me. comedy what you've talked about it your early comedy was very like emulating uh wanting to be like that george carlin like you oh, can't yeah. handle the truth that i'm about to bring <laughs> oh, to this yeah. stage oh yeah like yeah. fucking <laughs> religion all these christian like yeah. 
I was you, easily one of the worst comedians in the world when I started. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, if you had, like, a world rank, I was definitely in, like, the bottom 10% <laughs> when I first started. Because I feel like of all the people who started, I literally, like, I, I feel like people who start stand-up comedy from any other place in the world have, like, a more of a diverse... Um, influence base of like different comedians that they watched like i literally only growing up i watched like george carlin sam kinnison and then i watched the show seinfeld on tv so i saw the stand-up bits at the beginning that was literally all and then i a little bit of pat oswald and a little bit of louis when i first started because louis was just popping off and i started in 2011 so like my influences literally were like three and a half people and I went, you know, and it's just like not having it. I feel like there's just, I don't know. I just feel like I just was so off of what a comic was. But yeah. Christian, who are yours, dude? Uh, my influences? Yeah, like with Jack Parr. Uh... <laughs> Jack Benny. <laughs> Steve Allen. <laughs> fucking 40s late night TV host. Christian Jackie Green had a young man the take my wife please line. Yeah. <laughs> he stole that from you, Chris, didn't he? <laughs> Well, at least at least you didn't stay that George Carlin-y type. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's there's... the one thing I love about stand-up is, like, when you bomb angry on stage with, like, trying to be, like, smart, you really learn to be like, yeah, I'm never going to try that ever again. But like, that's so what, there's... yeah, you have that lack of humility, that, that same lack of humility that made you be like, I better get five minutes this time instead of three. Or, yeah. like, no one's listening to me. What the hell? That lack of humility, that's like the that's your natural defense mechanism. It's like denial of your current lack of ability and yeah. your you know, you just it's okay, you suck. You when you pick up a guitar, you suck. You're not great, even though you have a good ear for music, you're not good at guitar. So, but like that lack of humility, stand up drives I think it drives humility into you. If you let it, you should at least, because I think that's how you get better is like being humbled constantly. Yeah. And then I came up growing, believing that like stand up comedy and it was actually like a like a checks and balances for like corruption in the world. And like that would be a way of exposing it if you go on stage and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I've that's literally gone. Great, it's like a hundred and eighty degrees. It can be for me. <laughs> it, no, it's like I've literally come completely opposite of that. Where I'm like, no, man, it's not at all. And if you claim to be, you're just wrong. Like, if you're literally the type of person who thinks that comedy can just save the world, and maybe at one point there was a time where like there wasn't a million different media channels to where you know people couldn't just specifically get the thing that they wanted to hear just so easily. But now it's like the only people who watch Colbert are liberals. The only people who watch John Oliver are liberals. Like it does, it makes no difference in the world. So I always say like, if you're a comedian who thinks that your comedy can change the world and change the outcome of things, then you have to start taking responsibility. So uh, for when things don't work out. So like, when Trump becomes president, like you can blame Stephen Colbert because if his jokes were good enough, then it, w- it would have changed the world. <laughs> yeah. So like you can't have it one way and be like, oh, well, the comedy can do this, but not, not accept responsibility for when the fucking bad thing happens. So I, that's where I'm like completely opposite of it. Like if you want to be that comedian, then you have to expect accept re- responsibility the other way. I think uh, 
I think it can change the world. I just don't think that should be the goal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, oh, yeah. That, that's another thing. I think Chappelle's yeah. show did more for race relations in people than a lot of, than most, than fucking Jesse Jackson, honestly. <laughs> like, <laughs> just for, like, the conversation of it and the culture of it and, like, you Dude, know, mindsets. Real, no doubt. Like, I'm going to be honest. So, I, I, I mean, you guys know, and... I was obviously a suburb white kid from a very nice suburb in Kansas. Like one of the things that I think early on helped me see, I don't know, some of the inequities of society. And I'm actually not exaggerating is the movie undercover brother. (laughs) Um, No bullshit. That movie was on Comedy Central constantly. It's fucking hull. I rewatched it a month ago. It's fucking hilarious. And it it's really sharp, and I think like being like a sixth grader seeing this like actually, you know, subversive slapstick comedy and doing slapstick about subversive American uh, institutions, I think actually helped me expand my worldview a little bit. And yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't a you know a politician or it wasn't a and the people making it they weren't like. They didn't go into it like, we need to make the world a better place, and this is our message. They were yeah. going into it trying to be funny. And I don't know. That's just an eye-opening movie for a young kid who watches it, and it's on all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it, Christian, when you're like, it can, but it shouldn't be trying to. Because I don't think, like, Undercover Brother was, like, trying to. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 yeah. they weren't. They were just yeah. trying to be funny. But, yeah. like. You know, picking up on some of the jokes about the man and, yeah. uh, you know, and like conspiracy brother. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you start to go, oh, I think I, you know, I think I get some of the effed up shit. It's also like it goes to a point where like going after Republicans and shit is just not edgy or brave or. Yeah. Like. That's the thing about it used when, to you, be. when you turn into George, like you turn into like George Carlin special jamming in New York. It came out in like 1990. It's like right after Reagan, Bush won as president, and he just goes on about abortion and the and the, the first Gulf War and this, that, and the other. And at that time, there was like, holy shit, this guy's going after like Reagan, and like Reagan was like royalty to a lot of people, like. Then it was like, oh, shit, this is real. Like, now if you want to be edgy, you almost have to be a, a MAGA hat-wearing person. Yeah. And you have to, like, go on stage and make fun of liberals and stuff. Like, that would be edgy because that would be going against the status quo and going against, um, like, the power, I guess. It's, so Yeah. It's not just that. It's like, I just hate you. It's. We're so mired in the like the proper nouns of Republican Democrat that it it Republicans are not the only ones full of shit. And I think the a lot of Republican frustration is they just want to be told that they're not the only ones full of shit sometimes <laughs> too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean that's the thing. Like if I was ever going to do a political joke now, it would most definitely be against liberals. Yeah. Uh because like that's the only thing that interests me is like making fun of these people who think that they're holier than thou and that's during the Reagan years it was like the Christian um, the 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 silent majority the faithful people the Christianity like don't curse like those people ruled the country so like going against them was like was super countercultural 
So like now, if you want to be countercultural, you have to start making fun of the people who are like that now, who are the holier than thou liberals who act like anybody against them is racist. And it's like the same level of it's the same mindset, but just a different set of ideals. It's like the same mindset of the people in the 80s who worship Ronald Reagan and were Christians. If you cursed, if you said words they didn't like, you, you know, I hated you. If you don't support my God, I hate you. Like all those same shits, but now it's the other way where it's like, if you disagree with me, you're a racist. If you're, if you say these certain words, you're transphobic. If you say this, you're this. And it's like, they've painted this uh, absolutism of anybody who disagrees with them is automatically a monster. And that's where if you're a comedian, if you really want to fucking do anything that's like against something, you have to fight against that. You can't fight against you can't be on that side because then you're just like you're just preaching to the choir and it's fucking boring. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think uh, the thing that's weird to me is like if somebody's favorite comedian is Bill Hicks. I immediately go, oh, no, this is going to be bad. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing is, like, people don't, um, people who like Bill Hicks, they don't understand, they don't, like, go for where he was coming from. They just go for his, like, last bits. They try to emulate his last bits. Where he was a guy who was, like, who was just trying to get laughs for a long time in Texas, and he would just kill all the time with, like, normal fucking just regular comedy club jokes and he would kill so hard and so often that it just became boring to him. So then he went into like this weird political thing and did acid and went into this space and still had the ability to kill, but just refocus his energies to talking about all this like third eye stuff. Yeah. And by the way, he was a complete original. So it's like when the original's been copied numerous times, it's like boring now. So, but when he first started doing all that shit, he was like, completely doing bill hicks like he found himself and like it was really interesting and i don't actually find him like particularly funny (laughs) i I think a lot of his stuff is like more just like oh yeah good point man so i think if you're a comedian who's trying to do bill hicks and i know i'm thinking of one in particular um who i saw uh at one of my last shows before in the before time who was uh he it was just a, like a, not a bar show, but it was like at a restaurant and he did his like nihilistic. We're all here. Nothing matters, man. And it's just like, I don't know, man. We all want to hear about fucking dating and nachos. Like, this is a night out. Like, I don't matter. I completely yeah. agree. Whatever I do in my life has no effect on the universe. Yeah. You're, I do want to. Yeah. Let's laugh at some dick jokes. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're 45 and your jokes sound like a like a 21 year old nihilist who just figured out fucking meaninglessness. But but that in there lies like the stickiness of like, wait, you're absolutely right. Like the goal can't be to be a quote unquote philosopher. Like Mm -hmm. if you put philosopher in your bio, you're automatically (laughs) not a philosopher. Yeah, That's what makes me laugh with like, you know, sometimes listen to a podcast from their job is literally just like, public intellectual yeah and i'm like how do you even embark on that career path <laughs> like yeah. how, the arrogance the to arrogance. Just start off and be like i'm like yeah i'm just like really smart for a living I was do you, oh, are you like, in a lab and <laughs> no i just talk really intelligently so it's i'm just public intellectual. it's funny because it's like i was private for a while and then i went into the public space <laughs> <laughs> and then you know people on their career paths are like 
I mean, Mark is that guy's a real idiot. <laughs> <laughs> He's a hack. <laughs> That's just uh, not that intellectual. I, I saw um, one time I saw I talked about this on stage, but it's like I saw this comedian whose bio or like Facebook or Instagram bio said comedian slash activist. And I was yeah. like, you should stop being a comedian because you're actually hurting your causes by wasting time at this open mic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, like, if you really want to, like, lower the impact of your activism, just be really unfunny. Like, no one's <laughs> going to want to support you just because you stink. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, exactly. That's and sh- the reason Chappelle never set out to be like, I need to make the world a better place by really discussing race openly. He just did it and it its effect was undeniable because the effect it brings out of you is just laughing uproariously because you know it's the truth. Like, yeah. or it's like a distortion of the truth. That's why it's comedy. Yeah. Right. I mean, um, yeah. Talking about um, people that didn't get their due or whatever, like, and people who killed till they had something to say in a weird way is like Bill Burr. I remember when I started, someone was like, oh, um, I'm going to go see Bill Burr tomorrow. And I was like, oh, okay. I don't know who that is, but whatever. And then like he slowly in like in the same way that I think Roy Wood, Roy Wood is doing right now, he like slowly like built up and built up and built up. And, and now I don't know if he's a household name, but he's a very famous comedian, I would say. Uh, he was at a Disney show, a star. He was in Star yeah, Wars. That's I think. True, yeah, that's true. I think once you get to Star Wars, household name. What did he just? He just did some. Oh, the the King of Staten Island movie. Yeah, yeah, he was really good at it. His cartoons yeah. on like its fifth season of Netflix. If you're doing yeah. animation, too. Yeah, he's definitely a household name, and he's definitely one of the top. Like, yeah, I would say d- definitely top ten comedians today in terms of like being known and like. You if know, you've been on popular. the View, and my mom <laughs> has a chance to have seen yeah. you, that's to me. That's like. You made it, made it. Yeah. You're on like the most mainstream show in America. That's always the marker. If your mom knows who that person is, then. Oh, yeah. yeah. She recognizes like, oh, that guy. Like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's how you know you're a superstar. Like they always said, like, like with sports and stuff. It's like my mom is. I don't know of one time where my mom has watched a basketball game, but she knows who LeBron James is. Of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, that's when you become a superstar. But I say, I, if I say, hey, mom, do you know who Kawhi Leonard is? She'd be like, no. He's one of the best players in the league, but he's not, he's not like a superstar like that, like where everybody knows his name. Mm. But, I, you know, I was thinking we were talking about just div- the divisiveness of it. And we were talking about it a little bit before the podcast and how divided people are. Um, so I wanted to switch gears into this. So I was watching, when I visited my mom a couple weekends ago, and she pulled out some old home movies. And they were from, like, 1994 and then 1992. So I was, like, and one of them I was, like, you know, four. The other one I was six or whatever. But my grandfather was in them. And my grandfather died about five years ago and uh, in his late 80s. But in these videos, he was, like, in his mid-60s. And he, my grandfather was very prejudiced. He was he was a racist person. Um and it's just the time kind of he grew up in kind of breeded you to be that when you grew up in certain areas. So I'm sitting there watching these home videos and my grandfather is doing the dishes and like making jokes and like doing impressions of people in the town. And he's fucking destroying. He's killing. 
And then he's like being a good grandfather to my uh, my older brother. I in this video, I don't think I was even a born yet. I think my mom was still pregnant with me. He's being a very good grandfather, and he's being a very good husband. He's being a very very good father. And I just was thinking like he was so close to being like a great person in terms of. Uh, if like if I told you if I told somebody today that my grandfather's racist, they would immediately go, "Oh, he's evil. He's a piece of shit. He sucks. Fuck him." But like he's so close, like he's so redeemable as a person that all he has one character flaw, and it's <laughs> racism, and it sucks. But like people like that who are racist, actual racist, and I think if you asked him if he was racist, he would admit to it. Uh, he's dead, obviously now, but he's literally like just like so close away from being a really great person in the eyes of every human being, not just, you know, his family, but he's fuck you. He's dead to me today. If I talk to anybody about him and I just think that's really tragic because if there are people who are just a little prejudiced or wrong in certain situations, especially when it's more of an ignorance thing rather than a, you know, a, a hatred thing, it's like all these people are like being called evil and shitty and like, they're not going to learn or grow. I don't think and it just, I don't know, it's just kind of sad. I just got sad watching it for that reason. It's like, I could never tell anybody about my grandfather because he was racist. But he's not a bad person, you know what I mean? It's like I mean, he, yeah, it's it's one of those things where you're, you're like a little bit of a, I don't know about victim, but you're a little bit of an impressionable entity based off the time you were living in. And it relates to something we've talked about before, which I think is interesting, and that... In 25, 40 years, like when we're all like old men and maybe we have kids or grand grandkids, there's going to be something that I'm not with it on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it might be ro fucking robots and like yeah. that's going to become normal. And I'm like, uh, having sex should be between a man and a man. Or uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no. And I'm like, oh my God, grandpa, you're so backwards. Yeah. It's going to be something. And yeah, I course. just like, you want a little bit of, it's so tough because you're right. It is inherently implicitly awful, undeniably, but also the whole culture that he grew up in. It wasn't your grandpa's, in a weird way, it wasn't just a choice to be racist. And then he was also like, that, but that just speaks to how like natural like racism or even white supremacy was like, embedded in the culture your grandpa wasn't the only one yeah. yeah of course like he was of a generation where they think that was maybe a little bit more i don't know about par for the course but more acceptable and understandable and and yeah it's just it's hard to you know abandon someone's humanity completely because of some bad things yeah and this isn't a one-to-one -one thing um but it, it is weird because it's like what if you're like what if you're in Germany and when you, your grandfather was a Nazi, it's like, but he was nice to me. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's like, I don't know how you debate it, but I saw some, what? some, oh, someone no, just real quick. One of people on my Facebook friends was like, once the George Floyd protests were starting, she was like, white people, if you got a, like somebody in your family, you need to cut them off. And I was just like, I, I mean, that's, that's really easy for you to say. And you're saying it. This is definitely coming from a place of emotion. I understand where it's coming from, but at the same time, that's not realistic. It's just not realistic. That's also not even how. If your ultimate goal is to change hearts, exactly, and minds, yeah. They, they, cutting someone off 
is absolutely not the way. Right. It, yeah. it, it isn't. And, you know, here's an extreme example. What I think it's microcosmic of what you got to do. There's like a pretty famous or like kind of well-known on the Internet. There's this one man. He's a black man. And he has like repeatedly spent his life like talking with and uh, white supremacists like KKK members. Yeah. And basically through like you know, inordinate amounts, levels of humanity and giving them such a like leash of humanity that he can convert them to not being white supremacists. Yeah. And obviously that's not incumbent on anyone to do that. But a guy like him, you can admire that behavior. It's not it's not, you know, incumbent on a black person to make people not racist. Yeah. No, duh. But like. That method of trying to get people to wear maybe a slightly more enlightened point of view on something as extreme as that, on less extreme things like political beliefs, I think it's still relevant to to do that type of behavior. Well, it's all it, uh, it's all to me arrogance, or sorry, ignorance. <laughs> uh, I did a George W. Bush there, ignorance, and it's like being ignorant isn't a mark of you as a human per se it's just your lack of experience so like being an ignorant person people say ignorant interchangeably with stupid it's not yeah. stupid it's just you have yet to experience this so you don't know this I, when I visited my mom they live in a rural part of Virginia and her and my stepdad were basically they basically said to me they said well I don't really we don't really feel like racism exists where we live we live in an area where we don't see racism at all, and I have a black coworker, and we're all cordial, and everybody's fine, and you know this person's black, and he's never said anything to me, and I never seen, and I think it's because some people think that racism is a burning cross in a yard, and they yeah. don't see, they, they don't know, and they don't see like the small things that might affect that person. So racism is two burning crosses in a yard. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> so it's like, and then people aren't aware because. I don't. I feel like only people who are like a member of some sort of clan or group would actually consider themselves to be racist. I think most people say, "Oh, I'm not racist," right. but they yeah. do have prejudices in there. So again, it goes to like, how do we make these people become less ignorant by learning and experiencing what Black people yeah. are going through? And I don't think telling those people that they're all wrong and evil and and, and, and hateful and racist is like the way to do that. I think there's a, it's like you show, you don't tell. Yeah. Um, you don't just tell them that they're racist. We show them through the, like the, how black people are, have been persecuted and, and like, and they have to kind of see it in their community because people are very much in products of their environment. And if you live in a place where again, you don't see outward racism, and you probably just have the luxury of not believing that it exists because you don't see it. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And, you know, I feel like it's a it's a it's a delicate situation because we need in order for this whole America thing to work. We need both sides to have some sort of uh, respect for each other. But I feel like it's completely gone where, like, if you're a Republican, like just 15 years ago, not even five six years ten years ago if you were consider if you were a republican it wouldn't be like you know like oh fuck you but now it's literally 
if I'm a liberal, my other, you know, a, a fucking conservative person could like immediately call me a libtard and sub up all my beliefs with like a straw man that they have in their head of what a liberal is and vice versa with um, if you're a Republican, you're a racist and end of discussion. And it's like it's just it that's just like a e very easy way to compartmentalize it in your head. And it actually makes you an ignorant person because you are not trying to get all of the facts and trying to understand what's going on. You just assume based off of the least amount of information as possible, everything about another person. And I think that's where everybody's going wrong. I think in order to show um, them how, you know, in order to like educate them and show them like, you know, black people are the same as you know, we all go through those things. We need to have all black versions of their favorite programs. So all black version <laughs> of Roseanne, all black yeah. version of the blue collar comedy tour. <laughs> it's like, did I all I black version of Tucker Carlson tonight? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Did I tell you guys the story? Did I tell the story of the podcast of walking through, like the street in New York where the entire street was filled up with black bikers? Yeah, I think so. But okay. it's worth saying again. I just was like, I turned the corner. It was like Thirty Fourth Street in Manhattan, and I see all these rows of bikers, and bikers are already kind of scary. Yeah, and then they're all black, and you go, okay, so this is a thing. But my liberal eyes saw it, and it was like, no, it's it's fine. It's not going to be a big <laughs> deal. I'm going to walk through, and they're not going to attack me. Why would they attack me? They're just people. And I walk through the whole thing, and afterwards, I go, see, Nick, they're just people. And it's just like <laughs> that's me having a fight with myself about right. prejudices that I have that I didn't realize I had. Is that when? And so, like, I want to tell every single liberal person in the world, who, by the way, like I've been with liberal people who like. You know, make sure the doors of the car are locked. You like yeah, hold their purse. You course. know what I mean? Like, there's there's a lot of yeah. that, and a lot of liberal people don't realize it. But there's a lot of being fearful of black people. Uh, that's even in the most progressive of people. But I just like I feel like that should be the test of like walk through a, a whole street uh, in Manhattan, <laughs> a whole avenue, well, or whatever. It was. And that's why, like, wait, your officer, like, there's been videos online of like you know militant black. I, the reason I say militant is because there's black protesters walking through Confederate monument areas holding rifles and stuff. Uh -huh. And on like one hand, I'm like, because of our current system, I'm glad they're taking advantage of that law too, which they absolutely should be able to. But I want to exist in a place where eventually no one's fucking allowed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but right now they absolutely should be. And I mean, let's not deny the only time the NRA banned assault weapons had an assault weapons ban was when Black Panthers did it. But does that it's make amazing. sense that I'm like, I shouldn't like I don't like that America's obsessed with guns in any case. I'm glad they're able to do that right now, too. But uh, be, we love guns. Yeah, be better off. <laughs> did you guys? But, speaking uh, yeah. of all black performances, did you guys see Hamilton? Yes. Did you, Brett? No, no I don't think I'm ever gonna watch Hamilton. <laughs> I don't think I give a shit. I told yeah. you guys my thoughts on Hamilton. It's just like a, it's like a really good sixth grade teacher prepared an awesome lesson plan. Yeah. And it's like, guys, did you know rapping? Like, did you know Shakespeare's rap too? Like, it's that type of shit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I, I, I will say that's a very effective way, though, of like yeah. teaching somebody something. Like, I, I, I came away from it with more interest than I had. And I, when I was a kid, I loved history, 
and we always, you know, growing up in Virginia, we talked about the, you know, Continental Congress and all that shit, a shit ton. That was a big part of like the history lesson for that year. Um, and I thought I knew a lot about it, but there's a lot of like interpersonal stuff, like rivalries that I wasn't aware of. Virginia as a state. Sorry, as a state. All right, go ahead. Yeah, my bad. My bad. My bad. <laughs> That's on me. That's on me. Go, go, go. That's on me. I thought I'll say two two things. One, uh, anytime I feel like you film a play or a musical, it just yeah, it's just gonna be a little off. So when I watched it, although I was entertained by like the bars, like the rapping, and I thought it was interesting how they told the story, it's still a little like. It's just cheesy, kind of. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah, kind of like you you're watching it. You're like, this is a little cheesy. This is a little lame because it, that's like like that form of storytelling is just like if you're there and you're live, yes. it kind of suspends the belief of like being on a fake desk or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but when you're seeing it on a on a video, you're like, this is kind of shitty. Yeah. And then the other thing I'll say is, um, I just I just thought that all of the hip hop and all the rapping was was executed to a level. Uh, of storytelling, which was extra challenging because not only do you have to make it rhyme, but it also has to tell a story. I thought some of the lines were a little cheesy here and there, but for the yeah. most part, it was like really, really well done. Um, what, what, what do you guys have to say about it? Christian God. I just, uh, to your point about like uh, watching it on TV, it, that, that is so true because like you watch it, like if you're in the theater, you're like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is great. And, no, uh, if but, you're in the theater, you're like, oh, my God, I spent $2,500 on this. <laughs> this better be great. And then you have to convince yourself it's amazing. <laughs> Otherwise, know. you would kill yourself. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but when, but you you can be more engrossed in it and you're like you're not distracted, which is of one course. of the things that went wrong with me. It's like if I have my phone around or there's a window next to me, you know, it's, I'm going to lose interest in a second and my focus is going to be off the show. But if you're enraptured in the show and watching it like live in a theater, I'm sure it's tremendous. But like also when you're watching it at home on a video performance of a play, the only thing you can come away with is like plays are stupid. <laughs> like you just yeah. go, why is everybody pretending to be fucking, why is that old man pretending to be a little boy? Like, you know, yeah. you're like that's <laughs> the dumbest thing ever. But, uh, I thought I, we were watching it. And then we took a break for intermission and we'd like ate dinner and then watched two episodes of like Watchmen and then came back to it. And it like felt like the longest thing ever. It's because we tried to watch this two hour play in four hours. So by yeah. the time we got back to it, we were like, holy shit, like, do you want to keep watching this? And we got bored. So I was. Yeah, but you also turned on like. I don't know. You turned on in between it, like to me, like arguably the best show that's been made in like the last five <laughs> years. But like, it's just there's so much more dynamicism to like exactly. a narrative show like that. They have they have environments and the camera cuts are all so interesting visually. It, yeah. it hits, and then the storytelling too is also there. So like Watchmen hits the ten on every aspect of entertainment. Yeah. And Hamilton, you know, I'm I'm sure it is really well written, obviously. Um I do but. think it's overhyped and I, I'm interested to see that now that like now that it is being like shown to the masses, quote unquote, I'm interested interested to see like what the real reaction is gonna be. Because now because exclusively the people that were able to talk about it were people who had twelve hundred bucks to spend on tickets and now it's like everybody's giving it the fair shake which is not it's quite kind fair. of bulletproof to, it's bulletproof to criticism though like let's be honest 
other than like Tucker Carlson, who's going to go after I know. <laughs> Hamilton? It's first of all, it's about America. It's featuring all black or Latino cast. It's like so racist. It's, like, it's yeah. so seen as like <laughs> it's like forward thinking and like it's, yeah. it's praising. You know, it's well, just like of course it's getting that's criticism. Like it's almost bulletproof. It's like almost bulletproof for criticism. Like no, like who's going to go after? That? There's people mad about um, the slavery aspects of Hamilton. There's like, somebody like gloss over it. Probably, yeah. Let me see. Yeah, but that speaks to like, guys. We only got two hours. We can't tell every story. Like it's honestly, like, like it's about Alexander Hamilton, not exactly about slavery. It's like the the story of slavery isn't really told through Alexander Hamilton's story. Um, so I, yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I think that that would be like a really weird criticism because I, I I heard it being mentioned like how I mean that was the big thing about the country at the time they kind of put on a uh they came to an agreement at the continental congress that we'll like put slavery on the shelf because we couldn't agree on it right now but making a country at this moment and having a a government and a bill of rights is more important than just walking away from it yeah so they they literally it was like the 20 years compromise or something they just said we won't talk about it for 20 years let's just get these things done and that was what happened in the world and then obviously slavery is like the worst thing America has done as a country. Um, and obviously, you know, getting it, you, you can't really defend it in any way whatsoever, but you also have to understand the context of the time and where they were. They just fought the British. British. They had to have some sort of government. Like there was like, you know, looking through it through the lens of today being like, well, slavery should have been the First Amendment. Yeah, okay, in our eyes, it should have been the First Amendment. You're right, but it wasn't our eyes and it wasn't the situation given the context. And yes, it was made by a bunch of white dudes. So maybe slavery wasn't the number one thing on their mind. But yeah, it's just like I think people need to stop like like criticizing things. Like here, wait, can I build on your point? Because you're absolutely right. Chappelle's new special, uh, 842, I think it's called. There was enough people criticizing him for not mentioning a black woman who was killed by the police in his special. They were mad because he only mentioned black men. And it's just a level of, like... You don't get criticized for what you say. You get criticized for what you don't say. Yeah, which is like, insane. It's like, clearly he's... Like, clearly Chappelle has got his finger on the pulse of some real shit. Like, yeah. he... So, uh, but to me, that's... Honestly, to me, that's jealousy. That's going, hey, you have a platform... Uh, and you didn't mention this. It's like, so what's the criticism here? You're basically saying, if I had your special, I would have mentioned it. So, all right, well, fucking talk about it. Do stand up for 20 years or 30 years. Get good and get your special and talk about it. It's like when people criticize movies, they're like, then make your own movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. Like, that's, and that's one thing that, you know, Christian and I have finished a draft on a movie <laughs> is I've always been like, dude, comedies suck these days. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, you're a comedian. The fucking, <laughs> like, you don't even, you're not even just a guy. Like, you're supposed to be doing it. Um, the one thing I want to say real quick about Hamilton, because it is, it was at one point absolutely a status symbol yeah. thing. Yeah. That photo of, like, we got the handbill. Yeah, of and, course. You know, so it's almost like I want to, like, order, like, a handbill online for, like, I don't know, 25 cents. 
and then just take that photo, but with the screen in the background. <laughs> like, just got tickets That's to so Hamilton. That's so funny. That's great. Cost me zero dollars. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's Hilarious. awesome. Uh, we should probably go. We've been talking for quite yeah. a while. Yes, a little longer this week, um, but uh, it was fun. Yeah, get your plugs in, dude. Uh, yeah, just Instagram, Nick underscore Whitmer. That's all I got. That's what's up. Chrissy? Christian Duran Comedy.com, King Latifah on all streaming services. Christian Duran uh, SVP on Instagram. Sorry. No sweat. Uh, at Brett Rabel on Instagram, thecomrags.com. Send a friend to Comrag. Make sure Hello. to like, all share, right, subscribe. Thank you so much for tuning in. See you guys. Hello. Yep. And uh, later, skaters. Peace.